0: Hey, welcome to Sound Thinking. I'm Marty Duda, and we got another exciting episode today. Four new releases to review for you. We've got uh, Veronica Bell is going to review the new MGMT album. Chris Warren is here with Bird Machines EP. I'm going to talk about the new Greg Johnson album, but we're going to start things off with Jeff Neems and a new record from, I think it's their second record, from uh, Auckland's favorite hip-hop duo, (laughs) Church and AP. Hit it, Jeff.
1: Yeah, thanks, Marty, and Kyoto team. Good to be back on the podcast again. Uh, Church and AP actually quite a new name to me, although um, evidently they've been plugging away recording um, hip hop music since uh, about 2018 uh, very much in the same sort of style as Mellow Downs uh, Homebrew a lot of the sort of West Auckland uh, hip hop sound Uh, must be honest and say I hoped for a lot here and didn't quite get what I expected Um, the musically the production is really good like the beats and the rhythms are really nice they're very diverse these guys do a little bit of a sort of a a boom bap style on the track Dreams which I think Marty's going to play a bit of shortly which is probably the the Best track on the album, uh, and, and that's got sort of almost a little country lick going on there to punctuate the groove. There's some of, some of your more contemporary uh, uh drill and grime sounds, uh, and you know, as beat makers, they're doing a really nice job, uh, but unfortunately, what lets this down is uh, the lyrical content. They've tried really hard to sort of be um, uh, philosophical and 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 perhaps a little bit sociological, uh, but it ends up just coming across a bit crass in places, um, I've been uh, listening to rap music for uh, 35 years um, and what I have learnt in, in, over those three and a bit decades is that you don't have to swear constantly to make your point and and unfortunately for, for church and AP when it gets to a point where they're dropping C-bombs mm. through their songs I'm kind of switching off really um, bearing in mind that I remember NWA coming out with Straight Outta Compton which was absolutely littered with foul language um, but at least the litter was in the right places whereas here with church and ap it feels like it's just um trying uh, a little bit too hard uh, but maybe um you want to hit us with a little bit of dreams which is uh, the best song on the record but sadly only 90 seconds long
0: all right here it comes High swing law, go to safe route Told me
2: keep your head down, I'm too busy spaced out Focus on the detail, keep it on the D-load Hold my
3: chin high, we don't hear, no see, no watch them We know, unapologetic with the content
4: Reload, trying to do it better Run a different race, send a different letter Really set the pace for the game, new meta, that's us Well I've been dreaming
3: for a night or two
0: Hey, that's Dreams from Church and AP, and uh, we've got Jeff to tell us a little bit more about uh, the record.
1: Yeah, so the, there's a, quite a lengthy and quite gushy media release came with this, Marty, and it talked a lot about these guys being New Zealand's uh, favorite hip-hop duo and Auckland's favorite hip-hop duo, which kind of took me by surprise because, to be honest, I'd never heard of them. I didn't know we had a hip-hop
0: duo, so I didn't know that was even the thing.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I think I I guess it depends on, um, you know, where you go to consume your New Zealand uh, hip hop music. I I personally don't listen to Flavor FM or or My FM, although I do readily acknowledge that they have uh, massive audiences among the communities that this um, music certainly appeals to. Uh, It reminded me a lot, um, Marty, well, the experience of listening to the album reminded me a lot of going to that Larry June show for you uh, last year, where I turned up with very high expectations and very high hopes of liking it. Uh, and tried really, really hard to like it. But ultimately, um, I just couldn't. Um, I think these guys have got something. I mean, if they put a bit more thought into it and maybe they sort of veered more towards the uh, jazzy, soulful, funkier kind of sound, which is personally what I'm into, um, it would be uh, a lot more interesting and perhaps it would um, have a more diverse and broader appeal. But um, too much of it, to me, sounded like um, gangster gangster, um, posturing. Uh, And yep, I readily acknowledge that for some people, well, that's their social reality um, but rap has been there and done that for 25 or 30 years and I mean I think if you're going to if you're going to work in a genre like rap and hip-hop you've really got to try a bit harder to come up with something a bit different and something I think that speaks to more people uh, than just the demographic that you represent so um, yeah really wanted to like it Marty and I can see that there would be an audience for yep. this. Um, but I just I just couldn't dig it. And I think, as I've noted in my review that's already up on the website, um, more than a couple of listens and I was done, really. It was sort of ditched in the also-ran folder and almost had a sense of uh, what could have been, uh, but was
0: Okay, well, I think to give folks an example of what you didn't like about the record, uh, let's check mm-hmm. out Mathematics. I think that's got some of the lyrical content that you might find unsavory. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I smoke crack, motherfucker, I sell it. I don't sell pee, motherfucker, I push it. Mate, no mucking around. Phone ring, who the fuck is it now? I was gonna beg for forgiveness.
0: That's Mathematics. I think that was a single from from the Church and AP record. Is, is that true, Jeff? Yeah, that's
1: right. That's the that, that's the lead-off single. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I, I, these guys have had some kudos, Marty. They've had a few um, music awards, which I think reflects, obviously, that there's some support for them. They have um, had some international exposure, which is obviously um, awesome. But if I stack it up against um, Mellow Downs, uh, you know, Homebrew, right. Lady Six, it just doesn't quite meet the standard that I'm after. And and so ultimately a little disappointing.
0: All right. Uh, Veronica or Chris, do you have anything to add to any of that?
4: Yeah. So, so something that I guess I've learned, like I'm, I'm all for the, like just to sort of touch on what Jeff said about, um, you know, metaphor versus um, uh, what's the word? Metaphor versus like, exact language and exactly exactly what you're trying to say I think that there's a very fine line between wanting to sound um and I'm I'm not saying that these young men are not intelligent quite the contrary I think they're they're very very bright but I think that there becomes a point where you use so so many metaphors that you don't really understand what the song is about um and you know I, I I think that yeah i would argue that homebrew is probably one of new zealand's favorite hip-hop um groups and tom scott is an absolute legend personally that's that's my own personal opinion but i mean um yeah i, I listen this is coming from a lady who was incredibly foul-mouthed um i wasn't ex- very um i i oh, was not ex- i've never heard in a seaborn in a in a song and i've listened to a lot of music um uh, I mean, see, there's like see you next Tuesday, right? That, that that's okay. That's that's funny. That's like that's like tongue and cheek. Right, but um, right. it was that was a surprise. But I mean, I neither hated it nor it was okay. It was all right. It's not Tom Scott though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I liked the general sound of this record. It was more mellow than I was expecting. So I'd seen them live, and it's a very energetic and exciting kind of mm. show. Um, So I liked um, Dreams. I thought that was a great track. Uh, It had a really smooth, clean, jazzy guitar. Um, And I could decipher some of the lyrics and the metaphors in there. Um, There's a little bit of cultural (laughs) tension and ideas of success from, you know, earlier generations versus today. I thought that was cool. But I did get a bit hung up on um, things that uh, Veronica and Jeff have named too. There's, I couldn't tell if they were, kind of being subversive and playing with stereotypes or whether they brought into those stereotypes. Um, so, you know, song like mm. fly on the wall. Um, it's got some really kind of wholesome ideas of, you know, being patient with a partner and sharing a worlds together. But it also describes how good at sexy is and how much he, excuse me, needs that pussy. Like it's, it's kind of <laughs> like just, it, it, yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure what to make of that. I, I left a bit confused of what my take was,
0: of what their <laughs> take is. Like it's used, it's but, being used for shock value. I got the feeling from it. It's just like, oh, look, look what we said. Oh, no. You know? Whereas, you, Jeff, you used a word that I, 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 I prefer, funky, which uh, I well, I think there was one track that had some funk going on it, and that made me happy. That was uh, a song called Throne Signs. So maybe we'll listen to a little bit of that, and then we'll we'll wrap things up with uh, Church of the signs up, Beats. throwing signs up, north throwing signs up, east throwing signs up, west, west. throwing signs up, south, south. throwing signs up, Central. throwing signs up, your head is sounds up, You head is sounds up, You head is sounds up, You head is sounds up, what the sound was i get around cuz huh, and then now cuz you know the outcome it be your why one huh, i've been a why one since i've been around son these rappers my next king okay that's throne signs church and ap uh i think a, a a thumbs not down but not up review on that one maybe they need to work on their lyrical content a little bit more and get a little bit funkier all right. Uh, well, let's move on. Veronica, you have a new album by MGMT, uh, and you were looking forward to it. How does it uh, sh- shape up?
4: I mean, look, it was certainly not. Uh, it, it wasn't bad. Okay. Well, was I, I'll, pre- I'll preface it by that. Okay. It was. It was all right. I just. I guess because I'm so used to MG. What am I saying? MGMT being like that sort of nostalgic, psychedelic kind of like synth pop almost indie rock pop synthy psychedelic sort of stuff that's sort of what i was like expecting um um like walking on a dream that's sort of i guess one of it is one of the most popular songs for a reason but it is also one of my favorite because it sort of encompasses all of those genres into one um and you know i guess i wasn't sure whether mgmt was trying to like desperately clutch at you know this whole y2k um, revival that is happening at the moment um i mean i think that their music is relatively timeless i think it's one of those things that will always sort of come in and out of fashion um but when i've heard the opening track the loss of life part two which we should listen to to start with immediately
1: i sing perfect meter which will last to the end
0: why my wonder is an echo in a hollow, why silver gleams, why breath is blood
1: why liver is bloody, why a cow has horns, why woman is affectionate, why milk is white, why holly is green,
3: why a kid is beard, why the cow last lip is hollow, why brine is salt, why ale is bitter,
1: why the millet is green
4: okay so that was loss of life part two i was really excited i thought oh this is going to be really cool it's going to be real um kind of touching on themes of like futuristic kind of themes it was giving me space it was giving me that like psychedelic kind of um expectation that that i had with the record but coming into the second song, it was almost like, uh, I was like sober immediately. It was. Um, <laughs> I
0: hate when that happens.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know because, and, and I thought, oh, it's so cool. It's transitioning into the next song. And this is sort of what I was saying, you know, in one of the earlier podcasts, like I love it when albums do that. I like it when every song flows on from the other. I think it's right. really cool. It's really cool storytelling. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, there were no songs really that kind of stuck out to me with really strong pop hooks, which is okay. Yes. They, they are a band. They are indie rock pop synth psychedelic whatever. But there was no pop hooks. Like walking on a drink. It's such a hook. Yep. Yep. No yep. hooks. Um but what I will say is, you know, I feel like in songs like Dancing in Babylon, it was like kind of like building towards this climax that never really kind of came and um and sort of went straight into um you know I don't know it just kind of ended you know what I mean So
0: and they got Christine and the Queens on that one with them right yeah
4: so- yes they do they do
0: out on the street the real heads trying to keep
3: it low So you move to the beat and I was blown away So you need to know maybe I missed up a distraction for a flash of love I want to clear the air by Monday If all the tanks are gone When it sails down I
4: they've they've still got that like classic NGMT sound I like that they haven't really necessarily changed their vocal delivery too much I like that it sounds like them it just unfortunately in comparison to their early works and and call me out if I'm being wrong, I feel like they kind of became not irrelevant, but they sort of lost their relevancy and their hype over the last like 10, 15 years. Um, and because of TikTok, you know, making those earlier songs go viral, um, I, I'm wondering like, did they decide, oh, we're just going to like slap together a record to, to to clutch at these, you know, relevancy straws? I don't know. Right. Um. But, you know, what I found particularly uh interesting was that you've got loss of life part two which opens the album and then you've got loss of life the the just the normal one i guess that finishes the album so i listened to the album from one till ten um so loss of life mother nature that way yep and then i listened to it backwards so listen to <laughs> loss <Man>. of life <laughs> i wish i was joking fraidy song and i was thinking maybe there are actually two sides of the story um you know but again what is the story what is the story (laughs) again i was i was thinking space Aliens, I was getting real excited, tinfoil hat come on, you know, but no, I don't know. Um, there, um, what was else? What else did I have to say? Okay, maybe, so- Maybe that, we
0: should uh, uh, highlight one more song. But.
4: I would say my favorite song is actually Dancing in Babylon, but I yeah. mean, I think Christine yeah. sounds fabulous. So right. okay. that
2: was my pick too, Dancing in Babylon. It reminded mm. me almost in the vocal melodies, a bit like the River era Bruce Springsteen, uh, it felt really, really warm. And then it oh, sort of yeah. trips out into a okay. uh, uh, synthy, weird, instru- like, uh, instrumentation. Um, but I had mm. a strong Springsteen vibe. Oh, Interesting.
4: Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. yeah, I can hear that now that you've mentioned it. I mean, it was a great record. I guess I think because they, you know, have come from such a, a peak, it was not as good great as i was in, anticipating for it to be but it's it's certainly you know one of the better albums that i've listened to of of late um i just was hoping for a little bit more of their nostalgia that sort of that sort of rose them you know to fame but i mean i guess you know you do have to evolve as an artist you do have to change um but i think this, it, it was just felt like a bunch of B sides to me, honestly.
1: Sometimes
0: there's just change for change's sake, which doesn't really work all the time. <laughs>
4: exactly. Now, did exactly. you get a vibe?
1: Uh, my main vibe on this album was: what does the band's name mean? Is it an abbreviation for management? And oh my gosh, why am I skipping every song after about <laughs> thirty-five seconds? <laughs> Sorry, Veronica. I just, I just couldn't dig it. Honestly, I dig that's it. fair. I,
4: I, I understand.
1: I, I felt like they were deliberately trying to be not pigeonholed into anything um and and i I get that you know Mm. you want you you want to try and carve your own niche and create your own identifiable Mm. unique sound um but i was listening to it um i think it was thursday night and um my wife from the next room yelled out what is this And, and I said, it's MGMT. I have to review it for Marty. And she said, it's terrible. And I said, um, that's harsh, but fair. so, it uh, is, it is so not fair. on the podcast. It kind
4: yeah. of gave me, uh, what I will add on to that, Jeff, if, if it's all right, is it kind of one thing that I did write in my notes here was, reminds me of one of the bands that was, practicing when i was studying music at uni maybe needs more work on the vocal delivery and the songwriting structure that i did say so uh, yeah.
0: boy yeah. well one, one more song one song that i thought we should, maybe we need to listen to is bubblegum dog which had a kind of bowie-esque feel about it but i also wrote a, a word after it that you used quite a bit in your review veronica which is irrelevant So (laughs) so that's never, let's give that a spin and then we'll come back and wrap things up with MGMT. Right, that's Bob Gollum dog. I got to say, I really was bored to tears with this record. I was very disappointed with it, and uh, I never want to hear it again.
4: <laughs> I'm fe- I must be feeling nice today because I love the
1: I- savagery. And <laughs> I-, I thought I thought I was being harsh, but you just tell
0: us what you really <laughs> think. Yeah, what are here for. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I thought it was pretentious. Like the whole idea of starting the album with "Loss of Life Part 2 as the first track. And then ending it with a song called "Loss for Life," uh, "Loss of Life." I just thought oh, these guys are just ha- jerking around, you know. I mean, come on, what's the, what's the point? It just it, and they, they kind of touch on all these little various uh, genres, but don't really say anything or do anything or make any kind of statement. You're right, there's no hooks anywhere. I don't remember. I did listen to the whole thing, and I don't remember one one song that stayed yeah. stuck in my mind.
4: And I remember no, li- no. Li- okay. So something that I find like is every songwriter needs to have a song on a record that you would go and get those lyrics tattooed on your body. There was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing life-changing for me.
0: Oh, did you cry? Did think- you cry though, Veronica? Cause you've been no, no well then. That- <laughs> oh,
4: maybe, maybe from disappointment. But not-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought the whole thing was just a bit wishy-washy really, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, it just doesn't really go anywhere as Veronica has just kind of touched on. It doesn't say anything. Um, yeah, just garbage.
0: Right. That's, it. That's it with them. Let's stick with the Kiwi music then. We got Bird Machine. I, I, I'm, I'm, I love Bird Machine. They were just up here at my studio a couple days ago playing a couple songs from this EP, and they've been here before. They're from Hamilton, but we won't hold that against them. Chris, what do you? Think? Hey. That, <laughs> well,
2: I'm really happy. To- That's it. I'm done. I'm done with this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Hamilton or not, uh, I'm bringing the positivity for this review uh, because their EP, Hey Human, I absolutely loved it and I went back to it five or six times over the last week and it got better with each listen. Um, So overall it just has incredible songwriting and arrangements Mm -hmm. and a vocal performance to die for. Um, I kind of put this EP in two halves in my brain. The first three songs uh straight up power pop so i might get you to play marty the third track you'll be fine
3: you hide away when it's getting hot cause it's easier than when you gave it up when you looked outside
2: fantastic hook in there that has been in my brain all week um and it's so catchy so when i read this sort of write-up they talked about being kind of a mix of like 90s alt rock uh but to me when i when i listened to this it sounded straight power pop to me it reminded me of taylor swift of Paramore, of brandy carlisle these really f- like full-on vocally trained women who can belt out choruses shift between different registers without losing power or without losing volume. Um, her singing was superb. Um, so I think that played into the hookiness of bird machines, EP and yeah, I, I, as I sort of got over halfway through the EP, I was thinking, okay, is this kind of just what they what they do? This is their sound. It's good. I like it. Um, but I was relieved when it actually changed into the fourth track, and they had a real kind of shift in vibe and emphasis, which shows that they're they're capable of um, quite a few different directions. So my favorite track on the record was track number four. It's called "Through the Windows." No.
3: Say what you think it means.
2: It's a more subtle song. It doesn't amp up to that power pop chorus. And it's got a little bit more of like a pulsating nighttime vibe. Um, lovely layers of keys and synth. Uh, remind me a little bit of the dream pop of Beach House or the lush layers of, of Slow Dive. Um, so some of those more alternative influences were a bit more apparent. Um, if I had one criticism, um, it would be that some of the rockier elements of Bird Machine kind of get a bit squished and compressed uh, on this EP. The vocals, and it might just be a, a production choice, but the vocals right. are loud I know they produce
0: it all themselves at home, so they maybe, maybe they need a big studio to get to at some point.
2: I think they would do well in a big studio because uh, knowing that they've made that at home themselves, that's an incredible feat. Um, but it did right. sound like yep. the, the drums were maybe a bit, bit compressed, uh, and I would love to hear okay. it fleshed out as a full band. So they could either lean fully into the alt rock or they could steer it fully towards pop.
0: Right. Cause it, I should point out that, uh, the, the band themselves are actually a couple Luke and Jenna Gerben who, uh, live in Hamilton. Uh, Luke is originally an Australian and he loves his shoegaze. He's the guitar player, shoegaze and grunge and all that stuff. And uh, Jenna has got the voice, and uh, yeah, the t- and she does a lot of the production work as well. So um, that's who they are. They have a couple of kids. Uh, I think the the title of the EP, which is called "Hey Human," is what one of the kids says when they're walking around the street and sees somebody else. <laughs> <at Logan. laughs> that's oh, cute. that's cute. That cute? That's yeah. wholesome, man. I <laughs> what love a power
2: that. couple and these two! That's amazing. Yes, yes. H- so How they not home- get
4: sick of each other? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um Well, there's a I, lot of tension
2: <laughs> in the lyrics, actually, around hey, if you're wanting to stay, why are you walking away? Or kind of these unspoken uh dynamics, kind of Taylor Swift desk, So maybe we can read into okay. those. Oh, mm. Sorry, I cut I you
4: think off. That's right? right. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, how oh, hooks? Hallelujah! Ah, oh, hallelujah! You know what? Because I actually listened to this after MGMT, and I thought oh,
0: <laughs> it's man, like a relief. Oh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um great voice really cool voice um yeah i really don't have a lot to say hooks.com loved it all right
1: really
0: all right. liked it and jeff what do you think
1: uh i need to go and bat for hamilton as a uh, place where great music is produced <laughs> oh, i can't argue with uh, you here I, so I agree, agree jeff. i agree yeah so so i'm just going to rattle off some names right. of some some Hamilton bands or, or performers that have generated some exposure. So we we've had we produced the Datsuns, we've produced Kimbra. I um, mean, maybe a little bit of overreaching, perhaps, but Split Ends were from Tiwamudu, half an hour down the road right. from from Hamilton. Four Corners, the the hip hop act, were from Hamilton. So um, I'm not personally familiar with these guys. I just did a Google image search to see if I could recognise, them. <laughs> uh, and I I I, really I, I, actually, I can. <laughs> I, I, I can recognise them they do um, look familiar um, but I think as a, as a, a small city you know hundred fifty, hundred sixty thousand 160,000 people I think Hamilton is generally punched above its right. weight musically yep. uh, and it, you know the, the frustration for me as a long time Hamiltonian who's been involved in the music and entertainment community here for a long time is that um, the bar the mainstream bar industry where you mighty L.A.B. being played um, has sort of killed off the live music scene a little bit uh, but there are still... Uh, uh, there's a there's a core of hardcore committed people still doing authentic original non-mainstream music here in hamilton and as a hamilton person i'm actually really proud of that so okay. bird machine i think adding to the city's legacy yep. as um uh, a place where um where good music is produced and i'm and i'm i'm glad to see they're getting a bit of exposure so thanks chris for putting your hand up to review some of my hometowns Yay, yeah, it. It. <laughs> love it love it love it
0: and like i said there is a uh uh, a session that just was recorded a couple days ago with the with the duo here at the 13th floor so you can watch it and listen to that and get a little more insights into their songwriting process all righty now we move on to another kiwi greg johnson but he lives in la these days but he's been making music for 30 plus years i think and uh this a new album is called thunder in fall and i think it's uh what is this like it's it's his 13th solo album i think so he's He's cranking them out, and I think it's one of his best ones, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, the guy's in his mid-fifties now, and he seems to be kind of in a groove more than in a groove. He's kind of stepping out of his groove a little bit with this, which is what you kind of need to do. You need to mix things up. But he's a great songwriter, and um, you know, he I think he won a Silver Scroll Award a few years back, so, so he has been uh, getting some. You know, do and his, and his song called Save Yourself, which probably everybody knows, mm. which was kind of his breakthrough hit mm. in the States, which is why he spent so much time there. But anyway, uh, the new album is called Thunder in Fall. And it kind of has uh, indicates a dark, darker, ominous vibe about it. And there is some of that in the lyrics because he does live in the U.S. And you know what's going on over there. So it's going to rub off on what's what's going on around him. But uh, let's start out with a song. Well, we'll start with the uh, the opening track. It's called The Next Trip Around the Sun from Greg Johnson.
3: Don't let the dancing stop. I'll be waiting to close up shop. I say keep it all open. We're in for an Arctic blast. Or is it cold just a thing of the past? Crack the window and live. So we feel like we're living, I promise you we'll try to have more fun on our next trip around the sun, trip around the sun.
0: Okay, that's Greg Johnson. Thunder in Fall is the album. We just heard the next trip around the sun. and uh, apparently, the album got its genesis when he bought a used upright piano online, sight unseen, and it turned out to have a great little sound to it. So he's got it in his studio, and then he was so excited by the piano that he wrote all the songs on the album except for the one cover that's on it. So so that's kind of cool, and he's got a couple of folks helping him out that uh, are either from the States or from New Zealand. Bang King being probably the biggest A well-known name, who's a a Kiwi guy, who's on everybody's records these days. I think he, yeah, and uh, so. But but the piano is a sound, uh, and Greg is a melodic songwriter. He he can write a hook or two, Uh, Veronica. If you, yeah, (laughs) you'll be happy to hear that. And uh, let's see. I'm just trying to see which next track I want to play for you. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's breaking new ground, but. what he does, he does very well on this record. Mm. So uh, there is a, a and he has a, a neighbor or a friend. Do you know who Julia Fordham is? She's an English folk singer, and she now lives in Los Angeles as well. And she showed up to sing on one of the tracks on the record. And so this has got kind of a an English folky, almost Scarborough fairish vibe to it. But the, the voices sound great, and the song is called Smile or Frown.
3: We've had so it's
0: That smile or frown from Greg Johnson from his new album, uh, Greg and Julia Fordham sounding well. It's pretty cool that, you know, uh, the Kiwi and the Londoners or, or the English folk singer getting together in L.A., making music there with all this weird stuff going around in the States. I, I People always ask me, do I want to go back there? I was like, no way, man. <laughs> no way. So... Anyway, uh, there is all of the songs on uh, Thunder and Fall are Greg Johnson originals, except for he does finally cover a track. And apparently this is the first time he's done a cover on any of his albums. And he chooses an R.E.M. song. So I don't know how you guys feel about R.E.M. or if you have a favorite R.E.M. song. But uh, the one he has chosen is Drive. You guys know that one? Classic. Yeah. Shaking your head. Off automatic for the people. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, no, okay. Well, I think it's one of those songs that if you hear it, and you're going to hear it in a minute, you'll probably recognize it. So we'll give uh, a listen to uh, Greg Johnson's version of REM's "Drive." Smack, crack, push away,
3: tie another one to the wrecks, baby. Hey. Rock and roll Nobody tells you where to go What if I ride? What if you walk? What if you rock? Around the clock on Tick talk, Tick talk. What if you did? What if you walked? What if you tried to get on?
1: What's going through your head, Veronica? I can see what you're doing with your hands in front of your face.
4: (sighs) I am so ashamed. (laughs) I feel like I have been living in an alternate timeline because I honestly thought. That that song was a Pink Floyd song. Oh like,
0: well, oh, now oh, I see. Oh, that makes sense. Like, I like... can, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can see
1: how you would think that. My
0: goodness, the <laughs> shame! No, 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 no. shame!
1: <laughs> okay. But for, but... But forced to choose between REM and Pink Floyd. Pink I'm going Floyd. with R. E. M. every REM God. Every no time. way. R. E. M. every time. Every oh time. my god, Pink Floyd, one of the most terrible, overrated, boring <laughs> oh. bands in all of popular music history. <laughs> all right. And I've got I've got a rare copy of Dark Side of the Moon and I paid
0: one dollar for it in a charity store. Oh, wow, that's fabulous. <laughs> you you just need to have the Thank first you. album, the one with Sid Barrett on it. That's the cool one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well see i, I don't know rem
4: more. so i can't i can't comment now because i okay. thought it was pink void so maybe i will so, change so, my mind <laughs> right.
1: yeah i was I, I lived briefly in the usa um in the early mid 90s when they were just huge right. you know orange crush and stand and and those sort of songs and I, I i can't say i was ever a big fan but i could see why a lot of people liked yeah.
0: it mm-hmm. well they were huge where I, well, I saw them early on because they just toured incessantly uh, during the first half of the 80s and they would be playing every other week somewhere near me. So, and they were a great live band. And yeah, mm-hmm. and but anyway, enough about REM. We're talking about Greg Johnson who covered R.E.M. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. <laughs> nope. Sorry oh, Greg. Those, those <laughs> virgin's that's cool. Yeah, so I I think it's a great a great pick for a cover. So, it, it generates uh, some thoughts and feelings and all that good stuff. So, I I overall I have a good feeling about this record and uh, Greg is coming back to New Zealand Beginning of May, or March rather, and he's gonna—he's got like a fifteen tour uh, thing set up, so he'll be all over the country. And I recommend that people go see him. So that's that's my take on Greg Johnson. Anybody else want to say something about Greg uh, overall? Uh, Chris will. Yeah,
1: I'd like to. Oh, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in quickly yep. if I could. Sorry, yes. Kristen, me to cut you off. <laughs> I, I I admire, uh, Greg is another veteran New Zealand musician whose stickability I really admire. And I mean, there he, he's one of a number of artists who have plugged away very consistently for a long period of time making a living out of music when I think a lot of lesser individuals would have given it away. I think his music has very broad appeal. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people like Greg because it's easily consumable. He can you know his music relates to them and i'm pleased for his success i i didn't actually realize marty that he was based in los angeles now but it makes sense because he as you just touched on with your earlier comment he does seem to crop up in new zealand every couple of years for a tour um so yeah all power to the guy he he, he knows what his groove is he stays in his lane and it works for him and i think that's all righty cool. chris
2: nice i thought the record had a nice aesthetic the all the songs being centered around the piano But I also felt that that kind of let the record down a little bit too. It was just kind of there. It was kind of in the middle of the road, not that offensive. Um, And sorry, just middle of the road, um, but not super interesting uh, to me. There were some little sort of flourishes that made it sound a bit more diverse. You know, there's a kind of Spanish-tinged guitar in uh, Mm -hmm. Grasslands, track four. Oh, yeah, the guy named Steve
0: plays on that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's nice.
2: Aha. Yeah. And it's, it's an accomplished little guitar piece, but I also wasn't sure how it added to the greater whole. It was just kind of there for the sake of variation. Um, and there's a few right. moments like that when there's kind of some electronic beats in there uh, or these horns and smile and frown, although I actually genuinely like the horns <laughs> and smile and frown that added to a greater whole. Um, but it felt like there were kind of, attempts at trying to make a more diverse record. And I think I would have enjoyed it more if it was just voice and piano and let it, let it be what it is.
0: All right, Mm -hmm. Veronica, we'll let you have the last word on this one.
4: I mean, look, he's he's a five-time April Scroll finalist for you know for a reason. Um, so yeah, a great songwriter. Um, interesting, you said that uh, Chris about you know the the piano and the and the vocals kind of make it a little bit more acoustic. I vibe with that sort of stuff. I'm really I'll be real. I'm not super familiar with his work, but um,
0: you're too young. As, <laughs>
4: too, I, listen, it was cool. It was all right. You know, um, a lot of interesting metaphors that were obvious right. uh in oh, there words. which i that's which i liked right. um a, a good balance i think between what does this mean and oh i think it actually means this right um but yeah right. you know very i good. think three great albums uh this week
0: <laughs> okay very good now speaking of great albums uh since we've done the four that we're going to talk about the one that's come out today or this week is the new lab album cleverly titled i think it's four or six i can't remember six Six, yeah six yeah and it's the sixth album (laughs) that's all i've heard now i'm going to just say and i'm i'm not the biggest fan but they're huge so if we were doing this for money we would probably made this the album that we reviewed first and said great things about it and everybody would think it would be wonderful um i did listen to the record it's not bad it's just it is yeah. what it is, you know. They they're pretty good at what they do. It's, it's just, just an offensive space.
4: barbecue reggae, though, to me. Like no,
0: but
1: yes and no, yes and no. I I listen to it as well. I mean, I, I just a disclaimer. I am a reggae nerd, but I only listen to reggae from Jamaica. I don't listen to reggae from New Zealand. <laughs> um, I, I I had to listen to it that. Yeah, thank you Ron. Um, we'll take that offline and I'll tell you about all the stuff I like um, uh, just on this particular record I think they're just trying to break out from beyond the barbecue reggae framework and do just a few different okay. things so there, there's some sort of um, almost housey electronic beats on there there's a couple of down-tempo kind of folky moments. And yeah, as, as Marty said, these guys are huge. I didn't actually quite appreciate how big they are mm. until people started asking me to play their music at the bar where I DJ and I was like, ah, yeah, nah, sorry. <laughs> um, but um, a, a reflection of just how big they are, um, uh, and so I'm going to go so tangential, but this is important. I watch a lot of cricket, okay, and and in and, and, and short form, white ball cricket, they play music between the overs in the games. And that's even now seeping through to test cricket, the long form. Where am I going with this? Our LAB gets played at the cricket, okay, and if you want an indicator of how popular a band is to mainstream New Zealand music consumers. If you're being played at the cricket between the overs, you are big. And when I listened to this album this morning before coming on the podcast, I realized I had heard three songs uh, from this album uh, at the cricket. Wow, okay. And 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 wow. one of those songs really interested me. It's called Casanova. And I don't know if it's actually credited on the album there, Marty, but Casanova was a song by the R&B soul pop duo LaVert from back in the oh, late 80s. Them, yeah. Yeah,
0: Levert. you remember yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah and
1: so i so i heard casanova at the cricket last week and i that's was the only one like, that they didn't that,
0: write a guy named uh, reggie that, calloway wrote it so that explains that, that okay
1: that's right so 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 lab i mean i think they're from Fakatane, and i think it's awesome they're probably the biggest thing that's ever come out of Fakatane. but
4: um 1.2 million get, monthly listeners it says on on spotify yeah, which is crazy yeah for that, band man
1: Yeah, and I think that's because they are accessible, they are consumable. New Zealanders really relate to a singer who sings in a New Zealand accent about things that they Mm. are familiar with. Mm. So, um, personally, not a fan, but LAB to me are this generation's black seeds, you know, or they, and Veronica used that term barbecue reggae, and, and that is absolutely what these guys are. And I can see them following the same path that the likes of 660 charted in terms of being able to generate some global success do tours and festivals and stuff overseas all all power to the guys but it's a bit sugary and it's a bit lightweight for me they're trying some nice dub engineering style things and i can dig that um But yeah, if I go into a record store, I'm going to walk past the display and go, "Okay, that's nice. You, you, you other people buy that because I'm not."
4: (laughs) I got to say though, the album art is bloody fabulous. I would, I as a as a vinyl collector, I would buy this just because of the cover art. It looks so cool, you know. Music aside, I think I, it, they're clearly very artistic people. So. Oh,
0: very good. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris and I went to a show at the Whammy Bar this past week, and we saw a band from the States called Wednesday, which is not a great name for a band. But, and I was expecting them to be kind of a noisy, kind of sonic youthy type of, you know, lots of shards. of. And there was that. But that there, was, there seemed to be a lot more to this band. They were from North Carolina. And suddenly they go in the middle of their set, they go, oh, we're going to do a country song. I'm like, oh, no. But they they did, and it was great. (laughs) They they actually had like a pedal steel player there and the whole bit. And I was was very impressed with the diversity of that band and how they were able to tie it all together and make it sound like it made sense together. So uh, a thumbs up for Wednesday, the band.
1: Quick, quick, quick! Comment on Whammy Bar, if I yes, could, um, Marty, just to come back to um, uh, an album I reviewed a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, I, Dinosaur Jr., my favorite rock and That's roll yeah. band in uh, town, next week to perform, <laughs> and I just spotted on the Whammy Bar um, uh, social media yesterday that Lou Barlow, right. the bassist for uh, Dinosaur Jr., also uh, Sebado and, and does his own acoustic stuff. He's doing a show at Whammy Bar next Friday, and I'm kind of gutted because I have to oh, work cool. on Friday night at, and and but I'm going to the dinosaur junior show on the Saturday at Auckland town hall, but I'm kind of gutted because Lou has, um, a great track record of doing these intimate little acoustic Mm -hmm. shows where he performs his own material. Uh, and I, you know, like everyone, I follow Lou on, on social media and it seems that he is very accessible and he's also a great conversation. So I'm, I'm kind of gutted that I'm not going to get a chance to go and see Lou perform his own music on the Friday and get a record signed. I guess I'll just have to satisfy myself with the main act on the Saturday night. But, um, all power to Whammy Bar as well. Uh, Whammy Bar doing a lot of different kinds of musical events for a range of different musical communities. Ah, uh, my friend Michael Robbins, Red Robin, put on a sound system event there a couple of weeks ago, reggae dub event. So, um, big big ups to Whammy Bar for giving a lot of different musical communities um a, a place. And I think the I'm other person really that admired. needs to
0: get kudos is Matthew Crawley. Do you know him? He's
1: yeah, I do know. He brought know. One yeah. day in, yeah.
0: and I think he's doing the Lou yeah. Barlow as well. And he's yeah. he used to run you know uh, 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 a couple of clubs around but he's got back into the promotion thing and uh he's yeah. he's doing gangbusters yeah and bringing some yeah. cool shows into town so we support him highly anything else that uh, we need to talk about today I, I
1: have i have a question for veronica yes. i have a question for veronica um so obviously a certain american female singer in her 30s seems to be quite popular <laughs> C- currently um currently touring um Currently touring uh, Australia, mm-hmm. um, my question for you, Veronica, is how much would you have paid to go and see that particular performer play had money not been an issue? Because I know I'm, I'm reading these stories about <coughs> plane loads of people going across. I personally know people who have flown to Australia, um, and I have done it myself. I have flown to Australia for a concert, mm-hmm. um, but I would I would like to know. Um what your absolute uh, top dollar was if if money wasn't an object, how much you would have paid to see that performer in Australia?
4: okay, if money was not an issue and if it was not in the back of my mind constantly now that she is a billionaire and no longer <laughs> is her model about the fans like and this is some I've been a fan since two thousand and Eight. So, a very, very long time gone are the days of you know secret sessions and writing cute little anecdotes in your lyrics. Like, that's all gone. It's all about the money for me. So, if if, preach, yeah. So, if it was listen, (laughs) if it was if we were having this conversation five years ago, millions, I would would sell my kidneys. (laughs) Having this conversation now,
1: I need a kid, I need a (laughs) kidney.
4: But now, I just oh okay here's some oh gosh here's some tea um what i'm going to say is if you are that powerful that you have countries paying you $27 $27 million for six shows to boost their economy because you're that powerful. Don't tell me you need, you do not have the power to release your tickets like normal artists do in T years so that everybody can have a chance to get a ticket at a regular price. Yeah. Do not tell me for Ooh, a second. Okay. This this lady does not know what she's doing. She released all those tickets on purpose. She knew that people were going to be paying $20,000 for a ticket. Ah. And uh, and it, it, again, that, that's the tea on the street that I know from people in in the industry i don't work in ticketing so i can say that but like um as i said five years ago i would sell kidneys now i tried to get tickets that i gave myself a budget of the full round trip 3k it's impossible not with how much money people were charging for hotels and tickets and plane fares it's just not
0: feasible
1: okay so 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 for me for me with um, with miss Swift it's got to the point where it's beyond music now it's yeah. just straight up it's 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 an industry, yeah. and I was saying to someone the other day that yes, she probably um you know you made the point there about the economy that we, you know where she goes it, it pumps money into the economy and she probably employs dozens hundreds, hundreds of people. but at what point uh, is it too much and and I actually saw a piece on Radio New Zealand a couple of weeks ago, Veronica, I messaged it to you on yes. on Facebook. I, I urge you to go and have a look at it there there was a really good piece on Radio New Zealand and it actually questioned at what point is an artist's success too much for for the society and too much for that artist. Now, I wasn't alive when when the Beatles were at their peak and I wasn't alive when, when Elvis was at his peak. Um, but in my lifetime, and, I, and I'm pushing 51, I cannot remember an artist who has such a complete grasp over the entire english-speaking world and i think it's getting to the point where it's just saturation and and ridiculous um and i i i have an issue with that because the more bandwidth that the likes of taylor swift take up the less bandwidth there is for other independent musicians doing things that are just a bit more interesting. You got to give
0: Beatles credit for c- kind of calling it quits in 66 when they yeah, did. Absolutely, Marty. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, I don't think like Chris pop in here. I think he's got something to say. Sorry,
4: Chris.
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I was, I was appreciating all of those comments because I can relate in my own way, not with Taylor Swift, but I just emptied my savings yesterday to go and catch multiple New Zealand and Australia Pearl Jam shows.
0: Oh, so, there you uh, go. Like okay. tickets and to Pearl gigs. Jam. So they're, the, they're a band that tried to do something about ticket prices in the 90s when Ticketmaster mm. was the big deal mm. in the States. And now, of course, it's Live Nation or whatever. But it's, so to address that, Veronica, that this is a band that tried to do the right thing by the fans and they got nailed bad. I mean, they just they got did. Real, Everybody got on their case and they they had to throw their hands up and give up. So I, I, you know.
2: They tried to tour outside of the Ticketmaster Monopoly and they couldn't yep. do it. It was mm. logistically a nightmare. But I am also kind of disappointed to sort of Jeff's point of like how big something gets is the tickets were like $300 for a Pearl yeah. Jam ticket. um, And that's triple the price of what they were just a couple of years back around the yeah. world too. And, you know, an yeah. artist has power over... Yes the amount that they set their tickets for. They're allowing dynamic ticket yep. pricing. The the ticket system, Taylor Swift, I'm sure was similar. It's like it's designed to stress and confuse people. Multiple pre-sale codes you get in a waiting room, but that's before you're actually in the queue. There's tickets available, but it says they're sold out for this moment. So you take an expensive ticket at the back out of fear of missing out. All these dynamics mm-hmm. are playing into these spectacle-wide concerts and um, it just, it just hurts. You know, going to Whammy Bar for $50 to see Wednesday was yep. incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just say you yeah. got to have better taste. So I I spent a big money to go see my favorite band when they reunited, which was Mott the Hoople. And they reunited, they did, they did five shows in 2009 at the Hammersmith in London. So I flew from New Zealand to, ha- to London to go, and I went to all five shows, which I think the tickets nice. for each of the show was maybe 50 bucks a pop. Yes. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've I got something on this as well, actually, Marty. I, I, I really like the breeders, right. and, and I was delighted to see them uh, on the bill with the Foo Fighters, but I wasn't prepared to pay Foo Fighters prices to mm. see the breeders. Yep. And, 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 I mean, I, I don't dislike the Foo Fighters, but uh, it's like – why did I have to pay a minimum of something like $300 yeah. as Chris touched on yep. before yep. to see the support band? It felt like it was unfair on me. Mm. I mean, maybe I'm being a bit precious about my tastes here, but, um, I don't know. Pixies it, it, fans it was frustrating the to same <laughs> with Pearl yeah, Jam. Pixies. Well, I, <laughs> I, I Pearl it, it, Jam, right? Yeah. And I, it's a similar situation, Chris. I, I love the Pixies. I remember those, those three great albums coming out in the late eighties, early nineties, but, um, yeah, you know, what's the saying for Pixies purists like myself? No Kim, no deal. Um, <laughs> and and I, I without I'm without Kim, gas. it's not the Pixies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, fair enough.
1: Yeah, yep. and so 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 disappointing. But you know, all the commentary there about ticket prices is 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 incredibly relevant. I mean, I think it's getting to the stage where it's just ridiculous. And I and I get that these artists they've got to pay a lot of people to make these shows happen. Um, but, you know, Veronica touched on it before with her comment. Taylor is a billionaire and, and she's just creaming it beyond anything that is reasonable now. And and when you see the impact it has on these pathological fans. I mean, why you know, are they
0: willing he, to pay that much money? That's the problem. Well, I mean, what, well, like, and, and like, what's it doing like, for
1: the... What's it doing for their mental health? What's it doing for their mental health? And and that that bothers me. Yeah, they forget she's Hmm. not,
4: arguably never was, but that's again more tea. She's not the relatable uh, girl next door anymore. And I'm sorry, you do not need to release 15 different variants of an album, which has one song difference and one photo difference. It is mad. It is wasteful. And it is just, it's, it's capitalism gone. Cray cray. I am so sad because I have four signed CDs from her that I have been collecting. Oh, you can't see them right now. I have, I'm a Stan. I don't think you quite, I've written an essay about this woman, 10,000 words. Okay. For university. I love her, but I, have problems with her right now. I'm. I need to stop talking about her. Okay.
1: Yeah. Speaking of speaking of problems, one last thing, and I think Marty probably wants to wrap this up. Um, I, I mentioned a couple of times already today that I'm a big reggae fan, and this the the, the Bob Marley film thing. I'm just. Oh, come on. It's I mean, there, well, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay. Um, but but my my point here is that. Um, Uh, the Marley estate is shitting on what Bob was about. Oh, dear. Okay. And they have done done for a long time now. And I love Bob's music. I have a number of his albums. You know, um, Waitangi Day is always important to me as a New Zealander, but also because it was Bob's birthday. But when you can buy um, really shitty Bob Marley turntables, really shitty Bob Marley speakers, really, you know, there's a Bob Marley Ferris wheel somewhere now. (laughs) Um, And um, I mean, this film is from what i've seen of the shorts and from reviews i've read by media outlets whose opinions i respect this just looks like a saccharine watered down um it just i i just i can't even i've I've had three gay friends say to me oh you should go and set yourself and make your own opinion I think i just want to let bob's music speak to me and leave it at that because mm. what what the mali estate has done with his image it's done with his music and it's done with the kaupapa of what he was about mm-hmm. i'm actually starting to find it quite abhorrent yeah. so yeah. um no doubt one love the film will be massive in new zealand a lot Not of sure people it will really, yep. see it. new zealand is one of the nations that he really really touched you right. know and I've, I've i've been to shows where other musicians have mentioned this um But it's just got to a point where I think Bob's legacy has been significantly diluted by his estate to the point now where there's not a whole lot of difference between Taylor Swift and Bob Marley.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Apart from the fact one's dead, one's alive. All right. To leave (laughs) on a
0: positive note, if we're going to talk about movies, I suggest that you go see a movie called Drive Away Dolls. Uh, It's a road movie by one of the Coen brothers – it uh raising arizona meets thelma and louise two lesbians get in a car drive from pennsylvania it's like a b movie great for pride month marty it's hilarious oh the the dialogue it's like nicholas cage has been transformed into this uh, outrageous uh lesbian drive it uh, buddy pick thing it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i can't tell you how funny it is i was, you were almost lost for words yeah. it's really enjoyable and and the music and it's just what they happen to be grooving to on the radio on the way you know in their car on the way down so it takes oh, really? cool. it takes place in uh just at the end of 1999 for no apparent reason so there's, there's this kind of y2k <laughs> thing hanging over their heads but it's just a ball It just uh, yeah i i that I sounds fun Yep, so. I have to watch it Alrighty, very good folks Thank you for all this exciting discussion About music and film and all this stuff I'm glad we finally got together It was worth the wait And we'll hopefully see you again next week That's all for this edition of Sound Thinking